0: Welcome to Head Over Feels, the podcast where we discuss matters of the heart while also using our heads. Blending emotional awareness with intellectual relationship skills.
1: We promise raw, real, and sometimes ridiculous advice on love, sex, and relationships.
0: I'm Megan Sundra.
1: And I'm Fernando DV. We're here to tag team you with juicy insights, tantalizing tools, and sometimes embarrassing anecdotes in order to help you have the best love life ever.
0: This week, we're going to be talking about what this podcast is all about, why we're doing it, and who we are as your hosts.
1: Well, welcome. Thanks for checking us out, and and um, we're happy to be here. <laughs> we have so much
0: in store for you guys. I'm so excited. Yeah.
1: So what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Right. Well, this started as a um, – actually, Megan, I'll let you lead this one because this was sort of like your brainchild and became, um, evolved over many discussions and experiential things.
0: Of course. This began as a spark in both of our eyes separately many years ago in different forms. Um, my life was radically changed when I first was introduced to a radio show called Love Line with Dr. Drew, I believe in like 2006 by an ex of mine. And I had never heard anything like it at the time. I was surrounded by people who couldn't talk directly and honestly about sex or love issues. And here was a radio show where they just came right out with all of it. And I was like, wow, could it be like this all the time? I kind of want to have conversations like this with all kinds of people in my life. This It was so liberating. Um, and I grew a lot from that and listening to similar shows out there um, and just really expanded my knowledge about the whole spectrum of human sexuality And picked up some tools along the way on how to better manage my own relationships. When I was in grad school in about 2011, 2012, um, I really wanted to start my own advice booth um, about love and sex. And I wanted to put just like a little table out on the plaza where I would have lunch every day at the University of Florida. And uh, my friends were like, that sounds cool, but... uh, I think you're going to get like kicked out for that. (laughs) And I had a scholarship I didn't want to jeopardize and it was very taboo. You know, this is not something you can just put a sign out there and talk to whoever you want I didn't have a permit to do it, and I was pretty timid at the time. I was like, okay, I guess I should play it safe. Better not do what I want to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I sat on it for longer, but continued to learn and do a lot of growing in private until about a year ago. I was like, I want to bring my booth to life. I want to bring it to some local events, specifically through the Burning Man scene. Um, and it had a few false starts until this past June in uh, 2019, and I brought it to Apogea and. Began answering people's questions about love and sex advice, and our paths merged um, after our shared history. Fernando and I, when we decided to sit down at the booth together um, this past October, and we had a crazy time. Why don't you tell them about it? Yeah, Fernando?
1: well, we were um, went to this event, and we had the intention of. Setting up the booth, offering advice, which uh, the previous name or the first name of this is called Advice Booth, mm-hmm. um, coming from a shared love and, uh, for kombucha. There was no kombucha uh, offered at the uh, Advice Booth, but uh, could happen in future events. It was the intention, yeah, <laughs> and it was a good
0: pun. God damn it, yeah,
1: I agree, it was. And um, so while we were, so we were there, we set up the table and we had the intention of like, okay, we'll do this for a few hours and then we'll and we'll go out and, and boogie. And, um, that is we started around i don't know six seven mm-hmm. o'clock, and we left um uh, we basically did not leave the booth until the event ended at like two a m yeah. and it, and uh, we both had the intention of going on dancing throughout the night. It just we couldn't leave <laughs> <laughs>
0: we did not leave the booth. we just had tons of people come up to us with a whole variety of questions. Um, some of them were so heartfelt and some were really scandalous and interesting (laughs) and others were like difficult to understand and ill-focused with spilled drinks on my table. Um, but yeah, I think we were just so on fire and separately and together in our lives. We are also people who our friends come to for advice pretty frequently. Um, I can't tell you how many times when we're just hanging out, talking about, the psychology or the issues in our lives asking each other for advice and a friend will come up like maybe my roommate and plop down and be like okay you guys uh, so I just started dating this person and here's what I'm going through and we're like tell us child (laughs) please (laughs) Uh, so I feel like we really tap into something and have unique separate experiences that dovetail really nicely together
1: yeah, shout out to Meg's roommate for um, her willingness to be so vulnerable and vulnerable with us. Um, it's provided a lot of uh, it's a, like mental exercises for these things and yeah. also be able to like, kind of flex these, um, our own tools that we've developed over the years.
0: Mutual growth. Yeah,
1: and you know, I come also, uh, interestingly enough, and I'm finding out at this podcast that I also listened to Dr. Drew um, way back in the day, um, and I remember really enjoying the advice that was given um, some of it I got to practice. Some of it was just like, "Oh, that's interesting." I, it got me to thinking more about these uh, dynamics and relationships that I maybe wasn't involved or interacting with. Um, I know that over the course of many years, I've had interest in how we relate to each other, interpersonal dynamics, and um, and especially just like being more observant of it. Especially like in media, uh, media tends to have a certain way of how relationships go. Like. Um, I think I make, we've talked about this once before where like Disney has uh, there's like a fantasy around the Disney world where it's like you get to meet this person um, straw crossed lovers and there's no sense of uh, talking about what your future is going to look like it's just kind of like oh well we had we locked eyes shared a kiss and now we're in it together for life yeah. and the rest is history we'll fucking figure it out as we go
0: right we've realized that most people in this country and in our cultures don't have good role models for what a healthy open and honest relationship looks like. And we kind of had to do a lot of our own work on ourselves uh, and growth over the years to figure out what that looks like for us. And um, luckily there's a ton of resources out there. We can't wait to share a bunch of them with you guys um, and kind of distill our collective knowledge into something that you can use. Yeah.
1: So on that note, I would like to uh, delve into a bit more. Now you know what we're doing,
0: why we're doing this. Yeah, yeah.
1: why we're doing. We want to um, give you a background as far as who we are, because we're we're wanting to approach this a bit. Uh, we have quite an eclectic uh, eclectic lifestyles and uh, wide uh, a lot of bases covered in what we do. Yeah, um, we're certainly not. Uh, we wear a lot of hats in our lives, and I know like for myself personally i i'm an i t consultant which pays my bills um but then i'm also a musician and i also uh, am a yoga sculpt workout instructor um
0: he's brutal
1: yeah <laughs> i am i am unforgiving and relentless. um and and a lot of my experience um uh, has been uh going through like relationships has just been um, start off a lot of hands on and making a lot of mistakes and having relationships, uh, early on that just didn't, weren't lasting very long. I was struggling with like, why do my relationships consistently end around three months? And why can't I maintain relationships longer? Why do I lose interest or why does it feel like I'm not growing or I'm, um, maybe being held back in some ways. And that it, it was a weird mix of like wanting freedom, but also wanting to have pa- uh, a partnership. And, um, there wasn't like Meg uh, alluded to earlier. There's just not many examples we have of that. Uh, all these shows that you see are just incredibly over dramatized when it comes to relationships. You don't see healthy examples of um, male expression um, and healthy dynamics um, when it comes to relationships in shows, movies, etc. So, um, and I didn't relate to like these the overly um, aggressive male archetype that's like you know, bleeding all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so I had to kind of find it out myself and just, you know, whether been doing my research. And eventually that led me to um just exploring um, you know, very different dynamics like it. Cause I got into flesh hook suspensions. I got into exploring um psychedelic use, you know, with with a shaman and with um and used responsibly to really do some deep, you know, shadow work. And eventually that led me to like having you know finding myself through all this um i you know I would imagine some people can relate to this, but I struggle a lot with um like love self love and for appreciating myself uh and the things I do, so it sometimes it seems like I'm just doing all these extreme things just to prove to myself that I can and and am lovable and can love myself instead of just being, "Hey, you're okay today, you know mm. and so. Um and I think through this journey I've come to find that having um a better of my understanding of myself has helped has always helped, you know, increase the quality of my relationships with those around me. Um and in the last, I don't know, maybe three or four years ago, I, I found a really amazing therapist and I we got to really dig deep. Shout out to my therapist, by the way. Um we got to really dig deep into childhood traumas and uh, patterns that I was exhibiting from like my childhood and I'm basically repeating, um, you know, towards my romantic partners or um, primary attachment figures, as you will. And, um, you know, I had to lose relationships and go through the process of having some pretty heart, heavy heartbreaks before I realized like I'm doing something. I have no idea what's going on, but I keep doing this. I, I keep finding myself in a similar position and I clearly need help because I can't. I'm not solving this on my own, um, and I have no problem asking for help. But sometimes you just don't know when, when you need to find it for yourself and when it's like you got to reach out. So um, through that whole journey of like working my therapist, I've gotten to like I have a lot more tools in my dispersal, and I now have there's a quality to my relationships that I know uh, for a fact that would not be there. Um, had I not took taken that journey. And so that being said, and with all the self-work I've gotten, gone through, I really I want to be able to share that with um, everyone that, I can, that is willing to listen. I'm grateful that I've gotten to have the learning experience I've had. Um, I'm an incredibly lighthearted and ridiculous human being. Um, I play guitar in an acoustic uh, duo and also in a progressive death metal band. I'm a huge metal head. I also love dancing my ass off. Um, the music's good. I'm going to like. I'm going to be dancing to late wee hours in the morning. Uh, drum and bass, dubstep. It's uh, almost everything but house. I'll dance, get down on house. Really grinds my gears for long periods of time. So um, I also love obnoxiously colored, um, like clothing and brightly colored leggings and. Uh, chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. So uh, that's a little bit about me. Um, Megan, let's hear about your experience.
0: Sure, yeah. Um, I think what's really valuable about our commonalities and our differences is that You know, we both come from conservative and religious backgrounds and have overcome a lot of ingrained things that weren't serving us. Uh, Yes. And, you know, we've each had our own separate journeys towards self-awareness, but have been conscientiously doing the work to get there, whether it's through therapy, self-help books, podcasts, um, having open and vulnerable conversations with friends and partners (coughs) in order to grow as individuals and um, have greater not only self-acceptance, but acceptance for other people in the world who are different than us. You know, I don't come from the most diverse social bubble, and the more I started learning about people who are different than me really increased my empathy for them Um, and my own self-understanding. It was just so synergistic. Um, So we have these shared values, you and I, of self-acceptance, self-love, acceptance for others who are different, um, holding space um taking responsibility and accountability for your own actions and the way that they impact others um taking accountability for doing your own work your own self growth mm-hmm. and like bringing your best self to the table in your relationships um we both vol- value authenticity and being genuine and um you know acceptance for our light and dark sides mm-hmm. um and i think we both have plenty of each <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so i appreciate the ways that We've each taken a a winding path to get us here. And so we hope that our podcast will serve all of you in a similar way that, you know, we can distill our knowledge and give examples of the tools that we use through the advice that we give to other people so that you can take something away and apply it in your own life and say, oh, wow, I found that one thing really relatable. I should really try doing something different with this one issue I keep having over and over. I think um, one of the most valuable things we can be for each other as fellow humans in the world is a mirror. And uh, the more we can be mirrors for each other and for you guys, the listeners, the better. Um, So I'm so excited for all the ways for that to come out. Um, And despite our similarities, we also have a lot of contrasts. Um, Fernando and I have different like identities and ways that we move through the world um, and different attitudes. You might find us being a little good cop, bad cop at times, (laughs) but equally compassionate yet irreverent. Uh, And so we hope to bring enough diversity to the table to reach as many different situations as possible. And, you know, um, we're going to admit it when we don't know what the hell to say? I mean, there's a lot of things we can't relate to personally. And we may help refer you to someone better equipped to help you through your issues. Um, and we're not afraid to admit when we're wrong. So please do call us out if our if we have blind spots in the way that we reply to you or um, get something wrong in the way that we say something or are inadvertently hurtful. Um, we're open to learning. We are all in this learning journey together. So Um, We want to have an open dialogue with everyone and create a space for acceptance and vulnerability for anybody who wants to talk to us.
1: Yeah. Beautifully spoken. Why, thank you. Yeah. It's the caffeine. (laughs) (laughs) While we may speak a lot on poly uh, and polyamory, um, because that's where we are in our lives um, or have gotten to explore a lot of, this isn't just a polyamory podcast. This is a Mm -mm. relationship podcast podcast. And we want to um, – and, and all this stuff is applicable across the board. There are things that I wish I knew as monog- – I feel like until I was poly and delving into that, I was not um, taking on a lot of, like, communication uh, things or or the approach to my own self-work. That didn't seem as important when I'm dating someone else. It just felt like and uh, typically when I was dating someone monogamous, it's like, I, I like you, you like me. We start spending time together. We spend exponentially more time together until eventually my time gets sucked up, where both of our times are, we're spending more time with each other, but we're not communicating our needs. Mm-hmm. And we end up being frustrated <laughs> with each other or just, we're feeling like, why, um, or we're not getting the things that we want done for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it's like our relationship to ourselves becomes less important or non existent. And as I, when I started exploring polyamory, it became, very clear that while I may be dating other people, like my relationship to myself started becoming, I had to consider, actually consider that and mm. actually have to delve into that. And so it's always, no matter what, I'm always dating myself. And so that looks like managing my time to myself, managing my needs and making sure, because when I didn't, that came into, that reared its ugly head into the space of my relationships and definitely had a negative impact on them. Mm-hmm. So... Um, anyway, going back to that. So yeah, if you are monogamous and hearing this and you're not going to be poly or have any address or have a bad taste in your mouth, like this isn't just uh, people wanting to fuck each other. It's a lot more complex than that.
0: <laughs> and we think that everybody can find something relatable. Um, communication tools and self-awareness and emotional management apply to everyone, no matter what kind of relationship you're in, romantic or otherwise. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh yeah, one last thing just to mention before I uh hand over to Meg to go over her stuff. I am a um uh identify as I'm a Hispanic male, um cis male. Um I am mostly heterosexual. I guess by curious. Haven't really explored that side. I've made out with some cute men. Ooh. Haven't um but haven't got nothing has really came of that. And if that is something I explore, I'm like, cool, I've got a lot more people in the dating pool, but um and so just so you know, like, that's uh, that's where I'll be coming from. But I still can speak to a lot of, but most of my life has been, I was monogamous. And now I find that I um, I have my heart pretty open to having multiple relationships. Um, and so it's, I'm approaching it from, like, what I feel like I've heard or read somewhere, like, the definition of polyamory being ethical, consensual, non-monogamy. And so that's a pretty important piece that the ethical piece to that. Um, it's not just going around and you know romping around with new people. You know, you know, I've made mistakes of date mistakes of dating too many people or not time- managing my time. And so, um, we can certainly get into all the nuances of polyamory at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but just so you know my background and where I'll be coming from. But even that being said, uh, just consider everything that we're speaking to here as. Potentially something you could use. Or if not, you know, let leave it out. So Meg, I'll hand it to you. Let's hear about like your uh I want to say coming of age for coming <laughs> into
0: Yeah, I'll give you a little introduction to who I am. So I'm Megan Sundra. Um, I'm an environmental scientist, turned circus performer, turned relationship coach. Um I'm 35 as of this recording and Since I'm a total nerd who doesn't know how to stop operating in academia, (laughs) I've consumed piles of self-help and relationship-related books, blogs, articles, and podcasts in an attempt to improve my inner self uh, and my tumultuous love life. And holy shit, is it working? (laughs) Um, This is, uh, you know, I identify as a cis, spy white woman, uh, as well as being an artist, tree hugger, burner, leftist cheerful nihilist and unabashed goofball as i'm sure you'll find out although you may not guess all of these things just by looking at me um the quickest way to my heart is with absurdist memes pastries house plants doggos drum and bass (laughs) and small colored glass containers I have very specific interests. <laughs> That's <think> great. <laughs> and my history um, was a winding path from that conservative religious upbringing um, through self exploration and political and sociological belief changes throughout college and beyond, where I had to discover who I was and what I wanted um, outside of the mold that was provided for me by the culture I grew up in, and. Uh, I think you and I, Fernando, have both forged our own paths into the darkness, sort of into the unexplored world of just choose your own adventure reality, choose who you want to be and refine it continually as you go. And when there's no role model that you're aiming exactly to try to be, it's a little intimidating um, because anything could happen. You're bound to make a ton of mistakes and we both have. (laughs) So we've made the mistakes. So you don't have to make quite as many, hopefully.
1: (laughs) be like a tagline i know right
0: (laughs) (laughs) and um so i have developed several um strong values over time that have evolved from the history and context that i come from Um, for example i strongly value independence individuality um acceptance and authentic self-expression um, and unhindered freedom to be who you are and do what you want. And I realized that sometimes that lens through which I see the world with those values can be limiting. If I hear someone who's asking me for advice, you know, a lot of the people that we talk to in this walk of life, um, I sometimes may find myself being triggered or, um, reacting in my mind with judgmental thoughts about their situation or where they're coming from or giving very black and white advice, about like, Oh, you should do this. But I realized like, wait a second, why did I think that? Where am I coming from with that? Oh, right. It's my own specific history with that specific topic they're going through. Um, so this is an exercise for both us and everybody listening to really meet people where they're at. That is one of our goals here at the podcast. And Um, It takes really setting aside your own biases. And I will admit that another lens through which I see the world is privilege. Um, As a white woman in North America, I have definitely had my share of privilege growing up in a safe and financially stable um, home with, you know, loving uh, parents who were together and present and um, really focused on my academic growth and this is colored the way that I interact with other people in the world and the way I interpret them. Um, so I may have blind spots just as anybody else who comes from a world like that, where we aren't aware of the experience of, um, people of marginalized groups. And so I aim to be more aware of what that's like. So please help let me know when I am not aware of those things. Um, I myself have not experienced a ton of discrimination outside of my gender. Um, I think there have been a lot of moments in my life where there's this like unspoken but pretty obvious uh, influence that I'm being spoken to as a woman first and as Megan second. Um, however, I have not had a lot of discrimination about my orientation or gender expression. I am cis and present very classically female. Um, although I may have complicated feelings about that, we can get into another uh, <laughs> episode. Uh, and I have not been out for very long in my life as someone who is bi. So, uh, or living in an alternative relationship structure, um, when I do that. So I think, um, being pretty alt people, each of us come to the table with, um a diverse understanding of people who are different outside the norm and in some ways that informs our ability to understand people who are within the norm because like I'm just a basic white bitch too (laughs) you're not basic thank you as much as I like to believe I'm a snowflake and like so unique and individual I share so many common baseline experiences with all the kinds of people I've talked to over the years and it's shocking sometimes someone will sit down at the advice booth and talk to me and they look nothing like me they have a different gender a different race a different age Age, a totally different relationship structure and problem. But as soon as we get into the topic, I'm like, wow, I've so felt that same exact flavor of jealousy that you're going through. And it's so humanizing. Um, mm-hmm. I think collectively as humans, we have more in common than we're aware of on the surface.
1: Yeah. Uh, and something also, I think we can relate on with uh similarities that, um, <laughs> we both love dank memes. Yes. Uh- <laughs> Uh, and I would imagine a lot of people were really out there too. It's a dark and dirty world out there, folks, and um those memes surely, sure as shit at us by.
0: Yeah. So um, they're a lifeblood, yeah. they're light in the darkness. <laughs> Share with us your memes. Yeah. <laughs> it's
1: and a, we it's are... our love
0: language. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like mine is like quality time and dank memes. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um when we post the uh, website sorry, the uh, email address where you can submit your feedback, your questions, um, your woes. That is also a place for you to submit memes. Mm-hmm. Um, we may find some way that we can share them with you all and give credit proper credit from where that person shared it with us. Because, as Meg said, those are like that feeds our souls, mm-hmm. and and the darker the better. <laughs> so, <laughs> while we may enjoy, um, maybe have like a bit of nihilist. Um, a darkness in our hearts, like there is a lot of like optimism and lightness that we uh, can carry through. So, yeah.
0: Uh, Welcome to our brand of weird. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Every episode, we'll have several questions that we'll have people uh, submitting to us and we'll offer our, our advice. Mm-hmm. um And so, uh, Meg, will you take us through the first question?
0: Hi, my name is Katie, and I'm an 18-year-old woman with a problem I'm worried about how to handle. I have a wonderful boyfriend that I've been with for a little over a year, and we are both headed off to different colleges after we graduate this year. We have talked a little about this situation, but I still feel anxious about it as I love him and want to keep our relationship going while we're in college, and he feels the same way. How should we handle this? Okay, Katie. Oh, have we been where you are, my darling? (laughs) Thank you for writing us. I imagine your experience right now is pretty heart-wrenching. You know, you're about to part from a boyfriend that you've spent a whole year with in very formative times, high school, and it's scary. You're going to part ways and go to different colleges into the great unknown, like what's lying in front of you. You have no idea what's about to come for either of you. College is such a transformative time for people. I know it was for me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was it was for me too as well. Oh gosh, yeah, so much has changed for me since since college, and I had to let it out a big sigh reading hearing that because, um, ooh, my heart. uh, Yeah, my heart goes out to you, and this is where you get to. um, We might have to give a little bit of tough love here on this podcast, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's going to be you know I yeah I've been there too with having a relationship. Um, I had someone's dating. I think around. I know between four and six months, things were going really well. She went, uh, This girl went off to college, and um, and I forget how long she was in college. It wasn't very long that I went out to visit her one weekend. and I noticed her demeanor towards me was very different, and I should have noticed that Like uh, I didn't really pick up the signs that her interactions with me uh, since getting out there, and uh, from that time to the time I got there, was drastically different and so i um you know I didn't notice I, I just thought it was strange that we saw so little of each other that weekend that I was out that I planned out uh, to see her and then on the way back it was like a two and a half hour drive back from that college town um was I got the I got the we're breaking up message so <gasps> it was um yeah it was a,
0: it was it sucked oh, that's <laughs> painful yeah
1: and it I think the um, the thing that I wasn't, um, and it didn't take me till like I moved out to university. I was at community college at the time, but once I got into the university, um, that was a time where I, you know, looking back and like, oh yeah, there was. It's you're meeting so many people. Um, it's hard to. There are so many different factors in your life, and you're also you're going to college because you're trying to like take a huge step in your own, invest in your own life, mm-hmm. and, and career or whatever it is, or Maybe you're trying to figure it out. Either way, there's a lot going on. And when you're 18, there's also like bodily hormonal stuff you're dealing with. So there's, um, you have a lot of shit working against Mm -hmm. you, to put it nicely.
0: You're growing so much right now at this point in your life and you're about to grow a lot more, which is why I would give the advice of rip the Band-Aid off right now, girl. Wah, wah. <laughs> I know it's so hard and it's painful and we sometimes don't want to face those things and kind of live in this denial of like, maybe it'll work. Maybe there's something I can do. But uh, the the odds are against you here, unfortunately, for your relationship. Um, as good of an intention as you both may have, as much love as you may have shared, Um, even if you're in a really healthy and mature place, um, college is the biggest curveball ever, and it's going to whack you upside the head probably Um, I think breaking up now and um, lovingly and peacefully going your separate ways is doing each other a huge favor, is an act of love to show the other person that, like, I'm willing to let you go have the space you need to grow uninhibited, unhindered by anything from your past that could hold you back like a relationship. Not that, you know, either of you are the type to hold each other back, but there's this sort of attempt to hold on to the past While simultaneously forging a new path ahead of you, that can get really convoluted. You're kind of pulled in multiple directions. Um, I think college has a lot of factors that are going to fly your way. You're going to simultaneously be very new at the following things and very clumsy at them you're going to be trying to get good grades and really difficult college classes. You're going to be trying to navigate around a campus you're not familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to try to be making new friendships. Um, you're going to be surrounded by hot people that you're attracted <laughs> to. <laughs> like, wow, there's hundreds of people to choose from now. And some of them will be flirting with you and you'll be going to college parties. And it's a whole different environment than high school. And, of the people that I know who tried to keep relationships going from high school, it was so difficult and painful and drawn out. And I don't want that to happen to you. Um, I mean, it may be a worthwhile learning experience. I myself had something like that. Um, I had a boyfriend of about six or 10 months at the end of high school. And when it was time to go off to different colleges, you know, in different States, um, we, you know, politely were like, well, all right, like best of luck. It's time for us to go our separate ways. And I think we tried to hold on to a little shred of hope. Like I think at one point he said, well, maybe I'll come back in four years and we'll get married. <laughs> and we kind of were like, ah. but I don't know if either of us really believed that. Um, but I think I held on to a little bit of hope too much. We tried to stay in touch. We tried to stay friends, but I was not prepared for the things that come along with a friendship that is fresh out of a breakup. Um, he would talk about the dates he went on and the crushes he was having. And I was not prepared to feel the kind of jealousy that was coming up for me. The sadness of having just lost this person, the aloneness of like, Oh man, it's all just me now. Like I'm alone. Um, what am I doing? And who am I going to be And this? Uh, it just was a mess. And the conversation ended up tapering off and, um, falling out and it was sad and I didn't, didn't have to hurt that much if we had just been really straightforward and made a cleaner break earlier on.
1: Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. That sounds pretty like gut wrenching. And I think that's also um, an interesting point to point out is that we have, you have to be honest about where you're really at. Like you can't just hold on to like these whimsical dreams of like um, that these things lasting forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially when you're looking back, like, I, any relationship I had around that time was not sustainable Yeah. because I also just didn't have the tools and equipped with what I need to. Not to mention probably a lot of people, uh, in addition to the list that Meg mentioned of what you're getting new at, probably most, if not all of you are also living on your own for the first time. Yes. So then, um, managing that dynamic. Um, and I, I'm going to side with Megan on that, that this really holding on to the relationship, um, this may put you both in a position of trying to hold on to like this a past version of that person mm-hmm. rather than getting to grow alongside each other um and that's gonna be really hard like you both are gonna be in, in basically environments fostered for growth and in in different spaces so like it's you know I'll, I'll certainly offer some advice if you want to try to keep it together. I strongly highly um <laughs> don't, <laughs> I don't think you should. But, um, well,
0: let's give advice for how they should approach this breakup. If they're going to follow, if if Katie here is going to follow our, our advice, I, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that she needs to have a sit down with her boyfriend where they both come to the table with compassion, love and gratitude for the relationship <clears> they, <throat> they've had. You know, like you've been with me through high school difficulties. You've helped me grow. You've shown me love and hopefully have been a good, you know, um, starter relationship to give you like healthy, an idea of what relationships can be like and say, you know, um, I, I want to like honor what we've had here and I, I'm not breaking up with you because I don't love you anymore or anything like that, but um, because I respect your freedom and I want you to be able to go grow and, you know, I hope we can stay in touch and find value in what this can become in a different form. But um, just be like really clear with each other, have that sit down and lay it all out, like what your boundaries are there, and. So that you're both on the same page. Not like one of you is going off thinking that, oh, we're going to still hang out and maybe hook up. And the other one is like, nope, we're super done. <laughs> yeah.
1: I yeah, I don't know what else to add on that. Like, yeah, just having the clear communication, acknowledging the relationship and the person. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, this whole experience is you kind of have to take care of yourself. Um, you're not going to college because you're trying to have, um, you're not going to college to focus on relationships. You're going to, college to focus on yourself and your own self-growth and so yeah having that heart to heart and it's going to be hard this is not easy but i think it's going to be this is going to be a lot easier to like um to like give that person uh the love and kind of like wishing them well but also like you can determine what that is going to look like you two may stay really close friends through this whole thing and come back together and find that you're both very still aligned um, you also may go apart and find that you're two very different people, um, or you might find that you're you're absolutely incompatible. You know, after all that time, but there's going to be plenty of people. And when I say that, like Mike put, there's going to be lots of hot new people out there yeah. in college, and you're just exposed to so much that um, that um, to me and from my own friends and experiences, like it's going to be that's going to be the the lighter heartache. Then trying to muddle through the college experience, withdrawing from any new experiences, and, and maybe even holding back on your own growth
0: mm-hmm.
1: so that you can hold on to this thing. Um, yeah, and I think uh, – I, I feel like, man, I'm probably going to butcher this, but there's a saying from Buddha, something about how holding on – like, suffering comes from, like, resistance or – Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. gosh. Uh, Spot on. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> when I need to remember things, I remember very half-assed. I'm like, uh, something. Uh, so the resistance is going to cause the suffering, and and so if you can find that space to like, you know, don't be hard on yourselves and just let this go. It's gonna you're gonna have hopefully a wonderful time in college, mm-hmm. um, and not having the weight of trying to manage your partner and potentially your partner's, um, you know, the emotional stuff between you and your partner, that's going to be a lot. Yeah. And hopefully they're managing their own stuff too, because mm-hmm. if you're doing all of it, that's a, that's a red flag. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: <clears throat> I think there's just so many new experiences in store for you that making space for them is a great gift you can give to yourself. Um, I want to give a little bit of advice if you choose to ignore our previous advice, Uh, (laughs) because I know the heart is so powerful (laughs) and you're in love and change is scary. And so you want to hold on to something that feels stable and beautiful in your life. And I don't blame you for that. Um, but like, we want to prepare you for the inevitable heartache, that could come from this (laughs) because life is full of heartbreak and it doesn't get easier and it never ends.
1: (laughs) Welcome to the real world.
0: (laughs) But so if you decide to just be reckless, go with your heart and be like, screw those people on the podcast. I'm doing this anyway. Here's what we would tell you. Um, we would suggest having a sit down with your partner and talking so openly and honestly and vulnerably about your expectations and your needs and you, you know, your various values on what you want this to look like in practice? How often do you want to come visit each other? Is it financially feasible? Do you like lots of texts throughout the day? Do you want to chat each evening before you go to bed? Um, what are you, what level of like flirting or contact you know semi romantic with other people are you okay with or none at all? I definitely don't recommend. Um, If this is your first foray into long distance relationships and your first foray into even considering non-monogamy, like, oh, what we do apart doesn't count, (laughs) but we're still in a relationship or whatever. Don't try those things for the first time simultaneously and don't try them um, your first year of college simultaneously. You've got enough on your plate. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Don't overwhelm Mm -hmm. yourself. It's going to be too much at some point, I think. And the relationship might be one of those things that crumbles under the weight of just so many other things going on.
1: Yeah. And I want to expand on that with the communication. Like, um, I think probably most people at your age, uh, Katie, do not know or have the tools to like really delve into that level of, of like transparent honesty. And I'm speaking is that took me a while to get to that place. Speaking
0: from experience, yeah. Both of us. <laughs>
1: yeah. And and so like what we're asking, um, if you're willing to disavow any of our advice, um, that and if you want to continue and make this relationship work, like we're talking about like radical honesty. That's like probably unpresent to anything you've done before mm-hmm. and that looks like literally getting a plan for every like basically talk out every scenario okay what does it look like if one of us has a crush what if both of us have crushes yeah. how do we navigate that are we going to do this are we gonna do that is there a level of flirting or you know a potential relationship exploring are we okay with mm-hmm. is there going to be you know and like meg said about the communication like where are what are the needs around communication and seeing each other um, Talk
0: about your love languages. Yeah, how like, you want to hear from each other. Don't know ways. your love
1: languages? Learn that. Learn uh-huh. that shit and <laughs> look it up. Find out what your love languages are and be clear about that. And make sure there's you both understand can meet each other there. Learn, learn your attachment styles if you are not familiar with those. Mm-hmm. Uh, Google that shit.
0: And, mm-hmm.
1: um, uh, but yeah, uh, the more you know about yourself and what you need out of this whole thing, the more that you can, and then. You can ask the same of your partner as well. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that you c- – and if you can cover all your bases, have that tr- that communication. As things change, make sure you're communicating as things change. Because maybe th- three or four months in, you're like, you know, I miss my partner a lot, but this isn't too bad. And then month five comes in, and you're like, oh, shit, I'm head over heels over this person in my biology class. Yeah. Um. Then the moment that happens, even if you're thinking, oh, it's just a crush, like, talk to them. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no – because the moment that you start withholding information, in it's going to blow up or it's going to be to the point where you're like, oh, by the way, <laughs> you know, <laughs> then you have that conversation after it's crossed a threshold. And that's going to be really rough to come back from, especially when you don't have the tools to uh, both of you to navigate that. And so, yeah, if if you're going to continue the relationship, just know that. There is going to be a lot of work, you know, laying the foundation for what you want this to look like going forward, mm-hmm. and also on. And if things don't work, don't be hard on yourself. This is a lot. This is a lot to take on. Yeah. And it's not worth, um, you know, like you ultimately have to take care of your needs and what your focus is through college. Um. Oh, and on that note, if you two are work things are working well, or you have some news you need to drop on each other please be considerate of each other and wait till after finals. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the last thing that you need to deal, either you need to deal with is either finding out about a new crush or a break, having a breakup during, that's just a, that's a dick move. Oh, so, totally. So just, uh, if, or if there's some kind of like sexual tension between you and that cutie and in your math class, just like, hold off, give it like a week <laughs> until finals. And then after finals, have a heart to heart with your, uh, your lover. So that way you can, um, yeah, so that way you can at least be have some consideration in all this.
0: Absolutely. Well, we wish you the best of luck, Katie. Thank you for writing in. Um, we believe in you.
1: Yeah, it's you've got this, Katie. Um, if you have more questions, please feel free to write back, and we will gladly go into deeper detail. Absolutely. Yeah. So we have um, the next question we have is from Jake. Hey, my name is Jake, and I'm 36 years old, and I've been seeing a really awesome woman for about five months. We have kind of a don't-ask-don't-tell situation when it comes to other people we are seeing or anything we do apart. While I have been dating a lot, a lot of other people lately, I realize I really like this woman and can see a future with her. We have never talked about what this is, quote-unquote, or any agreements about what we want out of each other, but I realize there's something else here. So should I tell her I've been dating all these other people or should I just keep it under wraps?
0: Yeah, wow. All
1: right, Uh, Megan, (laughs) your thoughts? (laughs) Jake,
0: uh, I mean, congratulations on your romantic success so far. I mean, not only finding lots of people to play with and explore, but also finding somebody who you really click with romantically and that you have feelings for um, and that you're willing to – Uh, at least consider talking to them uh, and changing something for them, because it looks like you're trying to look at the way that this context with this girlfriend might be changing. Um, I think there has been a huge lack of clarity and transparency in your relationship so far. And we are here to encourage you to increase the transparency there. Um, And we've got some tips for you on how to do so. So I think that, while it may be comfortable and feel like you're not rocking the boat by not talking about any of this, you're actually setting yourselves up for more pain later. Um, Mm -hmm. Because the things you're not talking about now may fester, may build up pressure. And then when it comes time to talk about them, you may each be surprised about what the other has been experiencing or be uncomfortable about what's been going on that you weren't aware of. And I think if you really care about this person, um, it's time to lay everything on the table. And that way you guys can negotiate based on um, what you've been experiencing and what you want in your futures, how you want this to look together. Because this is an op- opportunity. As scary as it is to have the kind of conversation you're going to have to have, this is an opportunity to build a badass relationship from the ground up. Yes.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm going to play a little bit of bad cop here. Or <laughs> not so nice, not so forgiving cop. Meg, um, you're really good at being the good cop. just like... <laughs> feel a people person feel good. I'm like, uh, Jake, you fucked up. Uh! <laughs> um, well, on a more serious note, I think, yeah. So should you tell? Should you tell her, Jake? Yes, mm-hmm. Def, that's a resounding and a hard yes. Yep. Um, I I'm always curious about some of these dynamics with don't ask, don't tell, and how people make these work. Yeah. Because my experience of any time that information was either. Withheld or not told or, or was found out later it was it, it definitely caused upset, yeah um and it's and it's messy to deal with that shit so and like Megan said like you're there's a lot of opportunity here, so and I think it's like pause this podcast right <laughs> now and talk to your partner yeah
0: <laughs> don't delay,
1: yeah, or finish this section and then come back, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, because. This is important stuff here, um, and the reason being is that transparency builds trust. Mm. Um, and I think there's certainly a level of figuring out what and understanding what level of transparency is workable, and that's going to be different from person to person. If you really, if you are starting to invest in this person and want to, you see them this being like a long term thing or something that has a lot more significance in your life than being transparent and having a sit down with Devin and regard and yes, it's going to be difficult, especially if this is not how you've been operating. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it gets easier. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and, and it's worth the discomfort.
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, the discomfort now pays off way, way later because that's, um, what's going to happen or what likely will happen is if you, if this conversation kind of gets shoved to the side and maybe it's a year or longer, um, There's going to be a certain point where you're both really investing in each other and then some shit gets found out or something gets – maybe there's some other dynamic with another relationship that you weren't talking about and that Mm. starts deepening. Um, That's going to be uh, a bit harder to navigate than when it's earlier on. So taking the time to say, hey, this is – and getting clear on what you want, hearing what they want. And finding out and being more clear about what this relationship means to both of you and like really defining the relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds like you guys have to have a DTR conversation and define the relationship. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, people dread this so much. Um, and I think we need to really destigmatize it and normalize it. it because I think there's a common belief that it's unsexy and it's not fun and it's not organic, and it kills the magic to like actually lay it all out there. And what are we? And da-da-da. But you know what? I think we need to highlight the fact that it can do quite the opposite. Um, when a partner asks me, so what do you want here? How do you feel about this? What are your needs and how can I help meet them? How can we both compromise so that we both feel happy and safe and seen and create a container that works for both of us? I'm like, Oh, thank you for asking. Like that's so nice. I feel cared for and valued. Um, and so it's certainly magical and sexy when someone really wants to talk about that stuff. Cause it means that they care about how you feel and and, and want to like meet your values with you,
1: yeah, relationships really that two people coming together. it's not one person you're not doing things to please the other person mm-hmm. um this is a you know coming together, if you will um and then when when and I agree with this the statement that Megan was saying, there's no magic lost this is a by having your the the relationship defined more clearly, you know what that to be expected to some degree and it doesn't make it to where it's like you're you you 2 are so predictable it's more like you know now you know what's possible there mm-hmm. um, and that can be for a lot of people very you know um, clarifying and maybe she's also struggling with maybe she wants to have the conversation but also it's like well since we're don't ask don't tell do I is that too much mm-hmm. and that so maybe you know so that's a conversation to ask her like how she feels mm-hmm. and understand her experience um, because that's Um, it's very possible she could be experiencing the same thing as well.
0: Yeah, and you may have had really different definitions of what open relationship means so far. You know, one of you may have been having way more experiences (laughs) than the other person um, playing with other people, and then there's suddenly, you know, maybe your girlfriend Jake is like, holy shit, I didn't think you were, like, playing around that much with other people. I feel really uncomfortable about that. I wish I would known. And um, you don't know what her preferences are until you ask. Um, Also, you guys should definitely talk about safer sex practices, because if that's not something you've talked about and you're each having these very separate and independent experiences with other people, you could be putting each other at risk. Um, Not that STIs are the worst boogeyman out there, but I think it's important to talk about your own personal boundaries with your own body and what your expectations are for Your partner like I want to be with someone who consistently uses condoms, for example, Um, that way you each can discuss what works for both of you for you each to feel safe um, within realistic expectations Um, and then emotionally safe as well so that you know kind of the boundaries of what to expect in this relationship and can kind of create some kind of consistency so you know where you stand with your partner and maybe you both want to totally sled it up that's great but like yeah. just be on the <laughs> on the level about it you know being able to talk about it openly um and you made a really good point about um level of detail mm-hmm. that i think is important to be aware of how much the other person wants to hear
1: <laughs> yeah there's like a level of checking in with that and jake like Basically, we're trying. If you know, if you, if this is the too long, didn't read version of this. Then, <laughs> then um, consider this: transparency is going to go a long way in, like, in in building trust in any of your relationships. Um, although there's a part of me that's like very curious about how long that uh, do not D A D T has been working. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, please be transparent with them. Get a level of and and this will also probably deepen your intimacy for you two to be able to talk to this level yes and so talk to your partner yes you should talk about it. now is the time better than any time to get into into this and uh for you to for you both to really get where you are with each other because mm-hmm. you can't play like we're not um this isn't the disney fantasy of just seeing where it goes mm-hmm. this is like real life where are you can't read minds. You don't know what the other person is experiencing until you actually ask them and hear it from their mouth. Because if you're working from a place of assumption and from a place of, I think I know what's going on or I have a good idea, you don't. Yeah. Like there's no, um, you're you're basically working from your own projection or your own lens. Mm-hmm. And that's not how really, then you're not really engaged in the relationship. You're engaged with your own projection of it. And that's, um then you're not really engaged with reality.
0: Right. And you may think that, you know, these relationships you're having are really separate, but every relationship affects another. When you're mm-hmm. intertwined with multiple people in your life, um, keeping them separate <coughs> is a futile uh, experiment. And I think you have to just acknowledge that, like, okay, these things are going to affect each other, and I need to check in with the person they're going to affect the most, this girlfriend that you have feelings about. Um, and I think um, – being more present to each other is going to enhance your relationship going forward. Yeah.
1: So Jake, um, we wish you the best of luck. If You are struggling with what to ask or how to ask. Uh, feel free to drop us a line, but we, um, I, yeah, you got this. It's like, um, I know I said you messed up earlier, but there, this is all repairable stuff. You're not too far and deep in just, um, now is a good time for you to pause and go and take care of the business and then come back and
0: finish. It'll be worth it. (laughs) We believe in you. Thanks for writing, Jake. Thanks, Jake. (laughs) All right. And now for our third question, final question of the episode. Hi there. My name's Yolanda. I'm a 23-year-old woman who is by curious question mark and monogamous. My boyfriend of two years has recently told me that he wants a threesome with me and another woman. I've never done this before, but it kind of sounds fun and I'm open to it. Do you have any advice on how to have a threesome?
1: This episode's all about communication. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. <laughs> yeah, Yolanda. Um, yeah, so my experience with this sort of thing is um, really applicable across the board. Is that I think taking, having a sit down with your partner, with your boyfriend, and getting a feel for um, set all the expectations of what you want from this experience. And also first ask yourself, do you want this experience? Is this right. a fuck yes or is this a, a hard no or mm-hmm. a soft maybe? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and if it's if it's not a hard if it's not a fuck yes, um you should tell your partner now. Um if it's not coming place from consents, again, that's the same it's the same boat we're talking about. You're it's important for you to be on board of the same thing. And if you want this thing as well, um I would lay out here is what I want. To, you know, here's my expectation of this thing. Here's what I want of it. Um, here's how we'd like it to go. Um, talk about anything with STI health or sex health, mm-hmm. uh, as far as like what protection will be using or not using. If there's any toys, where they get cleaned, um, and importantly also like what's the what's the dynamic going to be um, during, before, mm-hmm. during, and after mm-hmm. this. You know, is this going to be a one-off thing? Is this going to be a recurring thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also have a backup plan. So if things get weird or if there's some kind of emotional upset during this whole time, this is a, you know, you two or everyone really should have a way to take a step back or have a, have an out, a safe out. So Mm -hmm. that way say, Hey, I'm not feeling comfortable because of whatever. Um, And it doesn't mean that this is has to end. Just give this a uh, just know that you know where the fire exit is and you can walk towards it. You know, like in you know, a straight file line, or you can say, "Hey, like this is what's coming up, and it could be an a engaging conversation, and that means either everyone you know once everyone's this is resolved, you can come back into the space and it could be really hot and sexy, or it may be another time or it you may realize this is a line that you're not willing to cross.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can pause it at any time for any reason and everyone should be in an understanding about that. Mm -hmm. Um, so nobody rolls their eyes or say like you're ruining the fun. Like you've all got to be supportive of each other, meet each other where you're at emotionally because things are going to come up that you don't expect. I mean, you say you're monogamous, so this is probably a new experience. You're saying you're open to it. So I want to congratulate you and support you in that like way to be open minded. That's great. Um, and I think, Having a lot of conversations that are super vulnerable and open and honest before this happens, you with yourself, you with your boyfriend, and you and your boyfriend with a prospective date. You know, have a coffee date where you talk about the logistics, mm. desires, boundaries, sexual health, things like that. And, you know, maybe have another date, get to know each other better, ha- you know, develop some chemistry, have some fun together. That way this is not some cold transactional thing. I know having these conversations <laughs> sounds oh, like that's not fun. Threesomes are just supposed to happen organically and just bloom without any conversation. But like, man, those are the ones that get people into trouble. Um, Those are the ones where people get their feelings hurt because they got stepped on, but they don't know how to speak up and say so in the moment. And we want to give you tools that can help you. For example, check-ins. You can develop some ahead of time with your boyfriend and say like, Hey, if I'm not really comfortable, I want to like tap out and like pause this with you. Can I like tap you three times or say like, Hey babe, can we take a little break? Or, um, I'm not really liking this, but can we try this instead? Um, it doesn't have to be like catastrophic cause you're uncomfortable. You can kind of move fluidly into something else, but, learning how to read your partner, checking in with them, like, hey, babe, do you like when I do this? Or would you like it if I did that? And mm. just kind of like those little tiny conversational check-ins as you're going with each other and with your third party, um, just help make sure that nobody is like secretly freaking out inside, but not feeling empowered to speak their mind.
1: Yeah. And I think there's also a lot of consideration with everyone involved and especially the third party, because they, you want also, just because your partner wants the threesome doesn't mean um that's where the the conversation will clarify what are his desires mm-hmm. behind it and, and everything else like you may find like a third party may want to have be like a you know as Polly they call the unicorn or mm-hmm. there could be some other unspoken desire there and so it's good to weed that out so you're like mm, i don't really want this to be a three party thing going forward mm. i just want this to be like every once in a while yeah um also if you two are having any sort of like relationship strife this would be a hard pause on <laughs> um, it, doing these kind of things. Only like intensifies mm-hmm. like relationship issues. So, um, so keep that in mind. Where if there's if things are going great, but then all of a sudden as this comes up, there's like tension in the space. Um, you you have a reason to pause, and if, so, if for some reason anyone any time uh, says. Um, does shame you or is not being considerate of you, you have an absolute right to step the fuck out of that room um, out of respect for yourself. And you can have that conversation afterwards because that's um, then your if your autonomy is not being honored and met and respected, that is not okay.
0: Right. I think it's important to ask uh, each other, why do we want to do this? Um, Because that'll clarify your motives and your vision for it. Um, If you are thinking of doing something like this just to spice up your relationship or like patch over any problems you've been having. <laughs> this is not the way to do this. Um, in a way it's objectifying of your third party because you're using them as like a band aid to put mm. over your problems or um, a, bo- a board you can project onto um, and that they're not prepared to be that and play that role. They're just a human too, who deserves an equal role. Um, and so I think it's good to keep in mind that things won't look the way you may expect them to. We don't have great advice uh, in our culture on how to go about handling threesomes or moresomes. And (laughs) um, and, uh, I think we fall back on tropes and um, gender roles and expectations born out of pornos and it's not going to look like that. There is no set order of operations of like certain sex acts you have to do in this order. And like so-and-so gets (laughs) to be the important focus and their orgasm is important and everybody else is kind of an accessory. Like fuck all that. You get to design your own experience, all three of you and you are allowed to change it as you go. So while Mm -hmm. that is very unstructured and kind of scary, the unknown um, there is a lot of freedom there and ability to come to it as you are.
1: Yeah, and Yolanda, you have a right to get off too. So oh, yeah. <laughs> just making sure that you get your needs met. Yeah. Because I if, know your boyfriend's initiating this, but making sure that he's not just doing get his rocks off and no one else,
0: you know, watch You want to make sure you don't feel pressured. Yeah.
1: yeah. I'm also sticking for you to get off too. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, but yeah, Yolanda, like it. this doesn't have to be a scary experience. It can be really wonderful and, and it can be a sexy, fun time. And the communication beforehand and prep before will just make this so much smoother. Mm-hmm. So that way you can navigate this. And this could actually be a really like hot experience for you and your partner, your boyfriend, for you to be able to bond together with your communication, just taking a new level and also for you to um find maybe new things about yourself you like or don't like. Yeah. And um I think that can be a really empowering thing. So and like Mike said, like this is a um this yeah, this is like an exploration of your um it almost, yeah, it's like an exploration of your autonomy. In yeah. A way,
0: so. Keep an open mind. Go slow. And it doesn't have to happen right now either. You can have these ongoing conversations with your boyfriend over the course of a few months. You can have a date with someone and maybe you liked them and everything seemed in alignment. But if your heart is still saying, man, I don't know. I'm really freaked out. I don't feel comfortable. Then don't do it. You can keep in touch with them platonically and revisit the topic some other time. Yeah. Yeah, don't rush it.
1: Yeah, no, there's no pressure. And if your boyfriend's pressuring you, deal with that first before because there may be some other unspoken yeah so, call
0: that out.
1: Yeah, call that shit out. Stomp it and to the ground. and <laughs> Yeah, I was going to go further on that. But I was like, yeah, I think you get the point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you for writing to us, Yolanda. I think you're very brave and um way to be open-minded. And uh, we believe in you.
1: Yeah, have fun too. Yeah. Uh, if, as long as it all goes well, like get it girl. So
0: yeah. And then let us know how it went. <laughs> Please.
1: Yeah. Well, however much of details you want. Yeah, to, we'll take it all.
0: Totally. So that brings us to the final segment of our episode. Um, the toolbox. This is where we share with you a resource such as a book or an article or a blog or a podcast, something that we have found super valuable in our lives and on our journey of self-learning and growth. And you can hopefully put it in your toolbox and put it to work in your own life. So, this week, our recommendation is
1: it's a book uh, called The Dance of Anger
0: Mm-mm.
1: by Harriet Lerner. And I believe the book um, on the front says something like I, I wish I had my copy, but I lent it out to a friend. So, um, it's like A Women's Relationship to Anger. Yes. A Women's uh, a
0: woman's Guide to Changing the Patterns of Intimate Relationships.
1: Oh, I just made that up, apparently. <laughs> <were> pretty close. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so now that the book did uh, specify women, but I don't think this is a gender particular book because right. I, I read the book as uh, male identifying. And I think it's, I think, oh, men, you guys have read this book.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, this book gives a lot of uh, really good examples um, and dynamics between um, partners and other things where you get to see like, at, it's first you see the example of the dynamic happening and how they handle situation. And then the author goes in details to like, What's actually underlying the underlying thing happening here? Um, For me, one of the pieces that was really helpful to recognize was uh, the term overfunctioning, underfunctioning. And I think sometimes it gets paired with uh, codependency. And I think, um, but I think this can also have a context outside of codependency as well, Um, because when I think of the examples um, that I've experienced, they they aren't coming from codependency, but more so overfunctioning, like taking up so much space that no one, um, that the other person or the parties have no space. They, you know, if you're taking 90% of the space, the, only, the other person only has 10% to even step in to do something. So an example would be, um, and this may be a, a popular one is like cleaning <laughs> and, um, where some, maybe one partner likes a pl- their, if they shared living space, they like their place clean and they ask the other person, Hey, we do the dishes, um, and that need doesn't get that request, doesn't get met. And so, part let's say we'll call it uh Joe and Mary. So, let's say Mary asked Joe, Hey, please clean dishes, you know, for the millionth time. And Joe's like, I'll get on that, babe, and doesn't, you know, damn it, Joe. <laughs> like, so and Mary's like, fine, I'm just gonna do, I'm just gonna clean it, whatever. And so, she'll clean, and then now, so, th- so there's two things happening where now she'll keep, she'll even though the agreement was being met. It's like, she'll step in do the cleaning and she'll take care of whatever cleaning things, even as cleaning after Joe. But then there's also like resentment getting built up because now she's doing the thing that she asked him to do. He's not doing it. And so she's stepping in to like do all the cleaning and doesn't even trust him with it. And then yeah. Joe's like, well, you're already doing all of it. So why do I, you know, I'm not going to bother. But then that, that creates tension where, um, you know, You know, on one side, Joe doesn't have space to to clean a step up, even if he's repeat. You know, there's probably some other underlying stuff. If he's repeatedly not listening, Joe, get your shit together. But um, when it comes, but then on the other side with Mary, that she's not allowing space and trust for the other person to. And maybe maybe Joe doesn't do it right away, but maybe he'll do it the next morning. But she never. But maybe Mary never never gives him the opportunity to clean it. She's like, he's like, I'll do it. And there is a possibility that Joe could do it. Um, he doesn't really like clean dishes after dinner. He likes to relax and, but every morning he's willing to do that. But if she's doing it each time, um, that is going to, um, then now they're going to be butting heads with each other around that. Mm -hmm. So, um, that it can be really powerful for you all to learn about any dynamics you have with yourself where someone is doing so much. The other person doesn't feel like they have space to, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, and maybe worth if you see a therapist, highly recommend, um, bringing that, you know, if you notice something like that happening, maybe bring up with them and they can give you, equip you some tools to navigate that in your own relationships.
0: Yeah. One thing I noticed about this book is that um, the author goes through a variety (coughs) of scenarios where there are two different people in some kind of conflict. And if you don't relate to the roles being played, like there was a woman and her mother-in-law having a conflict uh, and the specific dynamics that arose from that, and i'm like oh, i don't have a mother in law like this doesn't really <laughs> apply to me <laughs> right but um i realize oh wait a second the dynamic that's happening here has played out analogously elsewhere in my life between other people whether family members partners or friends and so there was something i could relate to in all of it there was always this theme of what is the underlying um what is the, the feelings and beliefs that are at play underneath the surface, the symptoms of anger, mm-hmm. um, because the symptoms are often different than what's really going on underneath. And I like to say that anger is a flag. It's like a flag you see sticking out of the ground that says dig here. Cause it's not what's above the ground. What the way that you are expressing your anger, it's what's below the ground, why the anger is there in the first place. What need isn't getting met, what boundary was crossed, what expectation wasn't met, things like that. And it, you always have to dig deeper to find those things out. Um, I, When someone recommended this book to me, I was a little offended at first. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> uh, excuse me, do you think I have anger issues? <laughs> I'm like, no. Um, and I thought that I had a healthy relationship with anger because I'm not the kind of person who throws things against the wall, calls names, you know, like does a lot of these stereotypical anger management issues. Um, and I thought like, yeah, I get mad. So does everyone else. It doesn't mean it's unhealthy or anything. And while that's true, this book really called out a lot of things I hadn't noticed about myself that were really unproductive habits and patterns that I had. Um, and I think one of my favorite parts was near the end of the book. There were like eight or nine different personality types in the context of anger. Um, And, you know, the first few I'm listening to, I'm like, yeah, none of this really sounds like me. This probably doesn't apply to me. I don't have these issues. But then they came (laughs) to like type seven or eight or something like that. Oh, my God. And it was me. (laughs) I just felt so called out. And it was really good because I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I fit classically into this one or two categories. Um, And it really helped me see myself better, which was super valuable.
1: Yeah. And on that note, um, especially with men or in general, Anger tends to have such a negative connotation, mm-hmm. and and anger, um, I forget if it was like either a friend told me this or it was a book, but like anger is like an indicator that a boundary was broken or yeah, an agreement right. was not met, mm-hmm. um, or something. You're just like, oh, like I, you didn't, re- you you learned that you got uncomfortable because something was uh, out of line with mm-hmm. what you were uh, either consented to or whatever the case values, is. yeah, yeah, and so anger itself is not the issue. It's how we manage and express that anger and how. Um, and that is variable across the board, like mm-hmm. a classic example of men in when, when most shows and stuff. What do you see men do when they're angry? They throw shit, mm-hmm. fight each other. That's not exactly a productive way to go about like right. resolving issues. And like, you can't, there are only so many tables a guy can throw. And it's like, <laughs> and, and how many tables can you throw before you finally get to the root of the issue? Yeah. Right. There's no number. It no. keeps going. It, keeps, it doesn't <laughs> stop. So, um, so having, you know, I've had experiences with, um, you know, a partner I've had where I've been able, where they would say, "Hey, I need to express something to you, and I have a lot of anger around this thing." And so, if I'm in a space to listen to, them, I'm like, "Okay, I'm going to take time to listen," and then they will express me with whatever anger, and it's like, "I'm fucking pissed, and I have all this stuff here." And then it's an op- exercise for me to listen and to not, and so like, it's not about the anger. The anger is like the delivery. It's like listening to what the need is, mm-hmm. and so I'll ask, I'll, I'll make sure that I'll repeat, like, "Hey, so I'm hearing this. Yes, I'm hearing this is your experience, and this is why you're upset or angry, and this thing caused it. And, and so, so like, once I make sure I can really like validate and understand and kind of like recreate their experience um, with their words, and make sure that I, I'm understanding what it is like for them that for this experience, then it's like, how do we reprimand this? How do we repair this? Mm-hmm. So that way. This is not repeat issue, mm-hmm. and um, I've noticed that in being able to hold space for their anger, it opens up for any for a partner for anyone that uh, the other person feels heard. They don't feel shamed about their anger, yes. which definitely is a very common thing. Is having shame or like that? Oh, I can't be angry because I'll be I'm a bad person. It's We're like, told
0: no. to repress it. Yeah,
1: and yeah. that it's going to be messy when you when that comes out. It's just like you know you're looking for the nearest table to throw. <laughs> <laughs> Like chair, whatever, I'll take anything, <laughs> but it's not this one, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not but, um, but it made a huge difference for, you know, that partner for anyone that to be able to hear it and to get their experience. Cause it's not about the anger. It's about what's the need that's be, not being met. And then going forward, we can have discussions about it. And so, um, I would encourage you if you are struggling with how you relate to anger, this book is going to be a great resource for you. Um, Again, therapy I am only gonna recommend therapists to the rest of the podcast. Um, <laughs> that's gonna be a great resource to like give equip you with tools so you can manage or deliver in a way, or maybe even just like if you if it's something manageable, you can like if your partner's not in a space to hear it, you've got friends and outside sources that you can help vents. So that way you can get past all of the other stuff and um get to what's the heart of it, you know, like how and this beckons the question: How do you process information? Mm-hmm. If you process externally and talking through people, probably talk to someone else before you talk to your partner about the thing. Right. So that way, that processing happens elsewhere, and you're like, "Oh, I'm actually pissed about all these things, but it's really about this, mm-hmm. that one thing." And I just had to get all this rage out. It's like a running a faucet. Eventually, you just got to keep it running so you can get to so the water can get to the temperature you need it to. Yeah. Uh, but if it's if you internal process internally, journal, take time to work on that then bring it to your partner, um, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever mm-hmm. whatever title you decide, uh, so that way you are clear about what the need
0: is. Absolutely. This book helped me improve um, a very charged relationship I had with um, someone else in my performance art industry within hours of finishing reading the book. You guys, it was so <laughs> powerful. It really shifted my mindset, and it changed the way that I approached this person, and we healed the shit between us within a few hours. Mm -hmm. And it, it wasn't even intentional. Like I did not anticipate having this kind of conversation with that person. Um, and once we did, I was like, Whoa, I have already been transformed. So I highly recommend this book. You may be surprised at the ways that it helps you.
1: That's it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in.
0: To submit your question, go to our website, headoverfeelspod.com.
1: Also, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at headoverfeelspod.
0: Please subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and review in your podcast app of choice.
1: See you next week.